This morning, I'm excited. Um, I came into this room this morning really stressed out about a lot of things that were totally out of my control. And, um, and I kept trying to think through the right solutions. Uh, spent some time last night trying to find solutions on the internet. I was at my end of my rope thinking, why am I here doing this? I'm so stressed out. Thanks a lot, God. And I got to the very end, and about two minutes before somebody walks in, I went back to the, the mixer and I looked down and went through things, you know, kind of complaining. And boom, there was the answer. And boom, there was the answer. And boom, there was the answer. And it was like God saying, I know you. It's not up to you. It's not under your control. I'm paying attention. Here's the answer. And so for me, that gives me great, uh, great confidence this morning uh, to, come on, to come up and to talk, um, and to talk about something that's really straightforward, foot washing. I'm also really excited about the Gospel. I'm excited about Jesus. I'm excited about um, the messiness of Scripture. It's not just a cold set of rules or judgments. It's stories. It's pictures. It's examples rooted in history. You know, I look at even just a couple weeks ago in, in John, he mentioned specific high priests. We can go back historically and see when that high priest was. There are little bits to tell us this is rooted in history. I love that it's humanity in all of its flaws. It's also Jesus turning the world upside down. We have three Gospels that see and tell the story at the same time, but for different audiences. Telling the same story at the same time, but in different ways. And then we have John. He's writing later, and he, he gives us little contexts and details. It's all giving us perspective on our lives. Perspective on the people around us, and most importantly, the love that Christ has for us. I believe the Scriptures to be true because Jesus is a king, he's a leader, he's a teacher like no other. There's humility their service, their seeming defeat. It looks like he's losing. And yet, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him. Jesus is a great teacher. His disciples call him teacher and Lord. And Jesus is going to mention that later in our, our Scripture this morning. Look back at the last few chapters of Jesus' ministry that we've seen. We've seen, number one, that Jesus does something amazing or he says something interesting and people take notice. And they change. They are moved. The second thing he does is then he explains to the people around him what he's just done or said. He explains it to people paying close attention. And then he does something that all great teachers do. He gives them a third thing. And that third thing is a little something out of the ordinary that they can take with them and carry with them and think about. So as we look about at this passage today, think about those three levels of teaching. I should also say that there are many scholarly discussions about this passage. When you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then we have John, things that are put in, left out. We can get into all of that, but today I want to keep it simple. As a musician, sometimes things are really easy. You sing, you play what's on the page, and you let the audience hear. Sometimes when you preach or when you teach, you try to do everything so that everybody connects with it all the time. 
But today I'm going to think like a musician and I'm only going to sing, I'm only going to preach what's on the page today because I think it's so applicable for our lives. It gives us so much doing. It's a doing passage. It, it gives us something uh, to hold on to, to think about and to do and apply to our lives. Let's pray. Lord, as we see this very familiar passage today, as we hear Your Word, we ask that Your truth would not just fall on our ears. Not just fall on our ears, but be firmly planted in our hearts. Our rock, our redeemer, and our example for all of life. Amen. If you'd like to turn to John 13 uh, in your Bibles, um, it's also on page 1066, 1066 in the Pew Bible. As we begin chapters 13 through 17, place great emphasis on Christ's teaching. He's teaching the disciples what to do. He's also teaching them about His great love. Let's look at verse 1. It says, It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for Him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved His own who were in the world, He now showed them the full extent of His love. Or He loved them to the last. Or He loved them to the end. This gives us a little editorial perspective. It perks up our ears a little bit. What's in coming is important on many levels. We see Jesus making conscious, controlled decisions based on what He knew that He needed to do. And over these next few chapters, we see the working of salvation, the sacrifice of Jesus working out. He is meek. He is mild. But He is totally in control. He knows what is coming. And through it all, He shows us the nature of true love. These next couple of verses, let's take a listen. It says, The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power, and that He had come from God and was returning to God. <clears throat> so He got up from the meal, took off His outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around His waist. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash His disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around Him. Now, at the first part of this, we'll see throughout the Scripture some asides about Judas. We're going to come back to those next week. Today is about Jesus and what Jesus is doing in this, in this upper room. This foot washing was, common, was a common part of hospitality and welcome into the home. In a dirty, dusty area like we just talked about with the kids, foot washing was usually performed by the lowest of the house. Slave or servant, if you could afford one. Obviously, what we just read is a deep, personal moment with deep reaction. Jesus is leading by example, as awkward and as shocking as it was. Some traditions give great importance to foot washing. They do it regularly throughout the year, or maybe once at a really important uh, time of year. My brother tells a great story about my grandparents inviting him to church um, during Holy Week, and he didn't know what he was going for. He gets there and finds out that they're going to be washing feet. And he does what anybody would do. I don't think I want to do that. And my grandfather says, nope, this is what we're doing. And at that moment, my grandfather bends down and washes my brother's feet. It was a huge moment 
to see that level of service in reality right in front of him. Jesus is doing that. It is important to see that Jesus is serving not out of compulsion. He's not doing it out of duty. He's not doing it out of pride. But genuine love for His own. Genuine love for His children. Genuine love for the people He came to save. And coming out of Advent and Christmas last month, this is yet another spot where Jesus puts off who He really is and literally takes the form of the lowliest servant. He takes off His robe. They're fighting and bickering amongst themselves. He takes off His robe and puts on the robe of a servant and then serves them. But, in the midst of this holy moment with Jesus, we see an authentic human response and interaction. There's a little bit of pride and some flaws come out. Let's look at verse 6. Then he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. Peter's reaction is totally normal, right? It's awkward. He senses the weight of Jesus' actions. He knows just who Jesus is and that it all seems so wrong to him. So he tries to reconcile it in his mind. Don't stop on my feet. Wash my whole body, Jesus. And it's important to note that if you were going to go to a festival, in order to prepare yourself, just like we would prepare to go to a party or something, you'd go take a shower. You would take a bath. You would clean yourself. But then when you got there, where you got where you were going, you would wash your feet. That foot washing was at the point of entry. It was your ticket into the house. It was your entry to the party. Think about how many times water comes back through Scripture. Much like baptism, it is a joy to be washed, to be marked by the water, and ultimately to be admitted to the house, to be joined with Christ and His family. As we move to this next section of text, here's where Jesus starts to teach on a third level. He gives them even something more to think about. And this is really where my brain and my heart start to spin. It gives me something to think about throughout the week. Jesus is saying, Peter, you've been washed, but I'm washing your feet much like the waters of baptism. You've been marked to enter this house and enter what is about to happen. And now we move now to verse 12. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, 
you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is all so familiar. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've grown up in the church, you've heard this story. This story preaches itself. We are to humble ourselves in service to one another, not just on those neat, scheduled days of service or a mission trip, but in the everyday, the menial, and maybe even the sometimes disgusting things of life. When we think about it, this type of service is something that we can definitely do for our families, maybe for a couple of friends. But what about that next level friend, or a coworker, or an enemy, or a complete stranger? In the two words, teacher or master and Lord, we are able to begin to think about our two questions that we've been looking at in this sermon series. Number one, what does this tell us about Jesus? And two, what does it mean for us in our lives? We call him teacher, master. He's telling them wonderful things, and not only that, he's doing it for them. He's giving them an example. But as Lord, as Lord, He is above us. And He is making demands on our lives. Jesus makes demands that we are to follow. And by following, we are blessed. If we see the love that Christ has for us, what He has done, we can fully follow Him. Not with terrible fear, but with love. Jesus is calling us to do very real things. But I think there is even more to think about and to act upon. We've heard this story before. We believe in Jesus. We have been washed by the blood. Spiritual bodies declared clean through Jesus' sacrifice. Some of us have been washed and marked by the waters of baptism. We are called actual children of God and even joint heirs with Christ. That is awesome. Wonderful. But where have your feet been today? As you've been walking around, where have your feet been? It's kind of like when I wash my dog and then I go to put him out. He only has two options he has grass or concrete. And what happens? He comes back and he's covered in mud again. What is the first thing you say to the dog? Where have you been? as you start to bend down and clean the dog's feet off. Where have you been? Very seriously this morning, spiritually, where are the very real places that your feet have been? Where are the digital places that your feet have been? Where are the relational places that your feet have been? Where are the spiritual places that your feet have been? These are all also the feet that Jesus is stooping to wash today, to reconcile us to him. Even further, it reconciles us to each other, to serve each other. Sometimes we need our spiritual feet cleansed. 
If you are here today and you consider yourself a doubter, we've been giving a really clear picture. If you're struggling to believe this Jesus and try to figure him out, we've been given a clear picture today. This is Jesus. He knows where your feet have been and he loves you. This Jesus is the one we try to serve if we are followers of him. If you are a doubter, keep fighting. Keep struggling. Keep seeking. I believe that we have seen Jesus this morning, who he uniquely is, the true embodiment and action of the Word of God. And that Word does not come back with no return. It does not come back with nothing. If you're struggling with God, if you're struggling with Jesus, keep struggling. If you're trying to disprove this book, keep trying. Because it doesn't come back with nothing. If you are a follower of Christ, I want to give you a challenge as we go out. Identify people in your life that you can share your dirt with. If they are followers of Jesus, they will stoop down. They will serve you. Then open your eyes and ears to where and when you can stoop down and serve. Start small, because it's not about what you do. It's why you do it. Jesus loved them to the end. He loves us to the end. Let us find others that we can love to the end. We see Jesus' example. We live Jesus' example. If we do that, we bring glory to the one that is greater than us, and we will be blessed. I'm reminded of a hymn, uh, the later part of the, the 20th century. It's called The Servant Song. And I was, as a kid, I was drawn to the tune. I was also drawn to the harmonies um, as the four parts were kind of weaving together. But as I get older, the simple text makes so much sense the longer that I live. It says, will you let me be your servant? Let me be as Christ to you. And pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. I will hold the Christ light for you in the nighttime of your fear. I will hold my hand out to you and speak the peace you long to hear. Let's find ways to serve others. Let's find ways to love others. Let's find ways to speak the love of Jesus into other people's lives. And we will be blessed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to the world around us, that we may see places that need you, that we may see where we can serve you by loving others. Lord, thank you that you are a teacher. Thank you that you are our Lord. And Father, thank you for being our example, for showing us exactly how to live and how to love. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Shannon, you lived what you preached. Shannon knew that with Scott on sabbatical and me traveling this week uh, and uh, something I'm about to talk about uh, that 
he looked for a way to serve. And he does that all the time. He takes on extras. So thank you for doing that. So I don't know how many of you actually do this, but if you do, uh, we have this thing called the order of worship, and I tell you about it at the beginning that you can scan a QR code for it. We send it to you uh, on Friday, and you can, you can look ahead and you can see exactly which songs we're going to sing and which texts we're going to preach and all of that stuff. I don't know how many of you actually look at that, but, but if you did, you saw this week that there is something right in this slot, right here in our order of worship. Thank you. Uh, called the big announcement. There's no gasp. I have a big announcement for you today. Uh, and, and it's about our mission and our vision and how we want to pursue that. Um, in my office, I have two three-foot or so statues of the Blues Brothers. Uh, the Jake and Elwood. If you've never seen the movie, uh, I'm not sure I want to recommend it. But, but I have the office there. Uh, um, and, and I have it in my office because one of the lines in the Blues Brothers is, we're on a mission from God. And, and I always, I, I just want that reminder to myself, we're on a mission for God and from God. And the way we've articulated that mission here at First Pres is uh, we say that, that we want to love Christ Jesus. And we want to boldly proclaim truth, capital T, meaning we want to proclaim Jesus. And we want to serve our neighbor, kind of like we just heard preached about. And, and we want to grow God's kingdom. That sounds great, doesn't it? Love, serve, proclaim, grow. I got the order wrong, but you get the idea. Like, that's what we want to do. What, what would that look like if we were all doing that? And As a church, we, we adopted a, a vision statement of what we think that would look like. We think it would look like... Uh, a vibrant, growing church of spirit-empowered disciples mobilized to engage their neighbors with Jesus. I love that. Uh, um, but what I'm excited about is, is, is we've kind of over the last couple of years identified how, how we're going to do that in this season of First Pres. And, and we've said, man, we're going to do it by focusing on evangelism and by focusing on discipleship and by leveraging our facilities for evangelism and discipleship. And we're going to do that by planting churches, which you heard about last week. And we're going to do that by strengthening our ministry to children and families. And we're going to do that by doing some fun stuff around this facility. But you know what? Before we can do any of that, we need you to grow. I need to grow in my passion in my sense of calling to evangelism and discipleship. And what I'm excited about is, is we are about to launch a campaign or initiative to help us grow in our passion for evangelism and discipleship. Uh -uh. And we're calling it the Grow Campaign. It just makes sense that we'd call it. And, and, and it's going to involve a seven-week sermon series that starts uh, on... February 26th, so four weeks from today, it, it, it's going to kick off. And it's going to go seven weeks. It's going to run all the way through Lent. It's going to end on Easter. And I have a big request of you. I'd like you to be here all seven weeks. Now, some of you are already going. I've got spring break in the middle of that. Okay, I get it. You have spring break plans. We have this handy thing called the Internet. Would you at least tune in to it? 
Because this is big. I think this is going to really help you grow. And there's other aspects of this campaign. There's, um, there's going to be a prayer and worship night that we're going to do. We're going to have these ten gatherings. You don't have to come to all ten, but we'd like you to come to one of them. We're going to gather in groups of about 30, and we're going we're to lay out the vision of how we think we can grow. And we're, we're going to put that all out in front of you. And we're going to, uh, on the day the campaign starts, we're going to give you this booklet that has daily devotions in it and things for small groups and classes to help engage in all of this. Because again, we think this is going to really help you grow. Uh, um, and, and there's a lot I'm talking about here, and so we're just going to give you a save the date card on the way out here. But we're also going to give you something else. We're going to give you two invitations. So the first thing you're going to get looks like this. It's handy, and we have people in the back who are going to hand it to you, and it's all to save the date for all the stuff I'm talking about. But the second thing we're going to give you is we're going to give you two of these. They're an invitation card. Because we want to kick this whole thing off with a party. And it's going to be great. Uh, uh, We're calling it the Sunday Fun Day Bowl. And we spell Sunday S-U-N-D-A-E. Yes, there's ice cream involved. Smiley's ice cream involved. And I want you to also notice that that last word, bowl. Because it's going to be at the bowling alley. And you can bowl or you can not bowl. You can have a bowl of ice cream or not have a bowl of ice cream. You can play the arcade games or not play the arcade games. You, you can have the, the, the spin prize wheel. You can have your face painted or not have your face. We're, we're just going to get together and we're going to have a party. But here's the deal. We're giving you two invitations because we don't want to have a party just for you. We also want to have a party for the people in your lives who are not walking with Jesus. Uh, uh, it could be a friend. It could be a family member. It could be a co-worker. And we're not saying that they're going to hell. We're saying they, they just aren't experiencing the abundant life that they could have in Jesus. And so we, we want you to invite them and to have them get a picture of what the abundant life in Jesus could look like. It could look like a bowl of ice cream. And we're not going to talk about the Grow campaign. We're not going to preach at them. We're just going to have fun fellowship. And we want you to come be a part of that. And we want you to invite some of them. So that's, again, why you're going to get two of these. One's for you, and one's for somebody in your life who's not walking with Jesus. And you can hand out more, because we want to pack this place out. We're, we we want to have tons and tons of people. And, and some of you are going, John, I don't bowl, and I don't eat ice cream. And I don't like people. <laughs> well, if you don't like people, I can't help you. But on the rest of it, just come and enjoy some people. Come, come be a part of it. And come be part of this campaign. It will help you grow. Because you know what, friends? We're, we're on a mission from God. We, we are blessed to be a blessing. Oh, and I forgot to tell you one other thing. This is a blessing. The whole thing's free. Nobody's paying the bowl. Nobody's paying for their ice cream. We're taking care of that. Just come be part of that and then be part of the seven Sundays and be part of the vision nights. Be a part of it all and grab one of these things on your way out that we might grow. Can I pray? Lord, we hear in your word that um, some plant and some water 
but it's you who brings the increase. It's you who causes growth, and the harvest is ultimately yours. Lord, I pray that this initiative, uh, this Grow campaign would do just that, that it would be used by you to grow us and to grow your kingdom, that we might know you and love you more and that other people might know and love you more. And we ask this in your name. Amen.